dynasty roundtable. I, I did uh -oh. that thing. I uh -oh. did that thing where you know you forget the month, the year that people used to do with checks. Anyway, little we are uh, here on the little loss, little San Diego Chargers type moment. Yeah, or uh, Oakland Raiders. Mm. You know, we're not going to mention the Washington team. I, I almost said it, and I was like, ah. <laughs> two examples is good enough. <laughs> yeah, I think they get it. So we're here on the Dynasty Roundtable tonight, Matt, in June. So what are we going to talk about tonight on the on the Dynasty Roundtable? Well, contrary to popular belief, and player profilers proving this every day, there's a lot to talk about for Dynasty football in these months. So today we're going to discover the potential of three similarly valued wide receivers for the 2023 se season, decide whether to buy them or sell them at their current values, we're going to explore the emotional dilemma of holding on to players in your dynasty rosters or whether it's time to cut ties. We're going to learn when you've reached your window in the productive struggle phase and when it's time to make that big move and, and start putting up that win now mentality. And then lastly, we're going to play a little of this or that and talk about some players with very similar ADPs and dynasty startups. And we're going to tell the folks which way we're leaning. Awesome. Well, we have a special guest tonight. Uh, he's his name's Joel Yabara. He's been uh, writing for us for quite some time, but he's recently taken on a new position with Player Profiler. So we wanted to bring him on tonight. Joel, talk to the people about who you are and what you're going to be doing for us. I've been on with Player Profiler writing articles for uh, since last off season about a year. Or so, um, and I am Seth Siminian. <laughs> the assistant to the regional manager of the <laughs> the editors so yes assistant Joel's to the editor uh-huh yeah Joel's gonna be helping me out with articles as we continue to expand here at playerprofiler.com and Joel if you have not Joel didn't do a good job of talking himself up so if you have not read a Joel Yabara article you need to go check it out on playerprofiler.com under the news and article section some of my favorite articles have been written by Joel. He's writing a series right now about ascending offenses. We actually published one today, Detroit Lions. It, it It's funny, you you published that article, and then on Theo's show, Press Coverage Live, Sigmund Bloom just talked up the Detroit Lions offense for a good portion of the show. So Jared, I thought Jared of, I thought of, yeah, I thought of you when uh, when I was, was hearing Sigmund talk about that. It was a great show. Don't go watch it right now. Stick with us right here, but check it out after the show. So uh, we're excited to have Joel on the program this evening. We're excited to, you know, elevate him to this new role. He's going to do a great job. So Joel, welcome to the Dynasty Roundtable. Matt, what what's our first order of business tonight? Is it something that I put on there? What's what's going on? Yeah, I think you I think you have some grievances to air. You 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 said yeah. it in the show sheet in a way that made it seem like that one tweet that said, I did not get mad online. Please do not put in the newspaper that I got mad yeah. online. Um, but you seem like you're tense about this dynasty trade. So I think you need to let some of this off your chest. All right. So sometimes I do this. I just post something out there that I know people are not gonna like, and I'm gonna, you know. It's people are not going to like this trade. I get it. I understand why the value police come after me. Uh, the same people that come after me about Christian Watson. It's okay. But what I did not. And so it's fine. If you disagree with me on the value of a trade, I, I get it. But the, the last part of this tweet really bothered me because I think if you have this mentality, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. And, and the second part of this tweet is, and 
my question to you, Joel, is what do we do with somebody who says, plus, he says plus, there's still two plus months to go until you need to set a lineup. What do we do with that? Is that correct? I mean, technically correct, but technically you can't set a line. Well, you can set your lineup now for week one, I guess. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm all about taking some calculated risks in Dynasty, but I like also like to plug holes, especially when it's quarterback and super flex. Yeah, and that's what I was doing. If, just to provide some context, I was trading for Daniel Jones in, in a super flex league. I needed a quarterback. And so, yeah, I think that's away, the comp- Would you trade away, Seth? Yeah, tell, so tell the people. here's yeah, so it's on Twitter if anybody is I mean, I put it out to the public. So I traded uh Garrett Wilson and a future first, which this team is a win now team. So this pick is I'm thinking it's a calculated risk. It's going to be late. So Garrett Wilson late 2024 first, hopefully. If it all blows up in my face, maybe not. But I I got back Daniel Jones, Pat Fryermuth, and Shigakonkwo, but it's also a two points per tight end reception league, and I needed tight ends. And this, like, so giving up Garrett Wilson, yes, it's steep, and if you put it in any trade calculator, I get it. I'm going to come out, out on the wrong end of it. Did you put it in but, Dominator? Yeah. Because I, it was, I feel ahead. like I, I would much rather have your side of the trade, and now I'm really curious to see what Dominator thinks about It's that. closer. If you put it in Player Profiler's trade analyzer, it's a lot close because we don't have a calculator we have an analyzer it's a lot closer than you think which i knew it would be just kind of on feel um so i just put that out there knowing that most people would hate that trade because everybody loves garrett wilson um and we'll talk more about i also put out a tweet comparing him to amon Ross st brown which i think amon Ross st brown's better but that's just my opinion most people don't agree so yeah i i i was a little surprise like this is this where this comment's coming from i guess is like i don't necessarily think any time is a bad time to plug a quarterback if you need a quarterback in super flex especially a quarterback like daniel jones who finished as the quarterback eight last season who had about what 700 or 800 rushing yards who's mobile the situation's only gotten better for him with them adding darren waller so if you're telling me that Daniel Jones isn't like a top eight to 10 quarterback. I mean, he's already proven it. So I get, I get the quarterback in the deal and I get two tight ends in the deal. And yes, I give away an elite wide receiver and what's projected to be a late 2024 first. I know we can't really speculate on that too much, but anyway, I I was fine with it. So I don't don't know. The response that you got just tells you what you need to do with people with players like Garrett Wilson, Drake London, so high. People are all about it. Who's a hotter player in Dynasty than Garrett Wilson? Yeah, and just a, yeah. No, I I agree. I think the evaluation is is um is a little high, but I just thought I'd throw that out to the round table tonight and people can let me know in the chat what they think of it, but I I think if you limit yourself to not filling holes in your roster in June, if, you, if you're just saying, whoa, 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 no, I'm not going to do that in June, I'm just adamantly opposed to that kind of thought process. Because when you, you, how do you know that deal's not going to be there, you know, later on, you know? So if you can do it w- where both players have an equal chance of, 
you know, what getting injured. I don't know. I, I don't see the values really changing too much with either one of those players. So I just thought it was an interesting topic. Um, Matt, what, what do you, what are your thoughts about this whole um, conversation? Yeah. I, I've, I like what Joel said about selling high because just a question I ask myself every single time I look at dynasty rankings is where are these values going to go from here for me to, to gain more value on Garrett Wilson, right? And that, that depends on your structure. If you're a productive struggle team, Garrett Wilson holding a rock steady value is, is more valuable to your team because you need that consistency in your lineup. But if you're a win now team who has a hold a plug in, in the quarterback position, especially in super flex, then if you're holding on to Garrett Wilson, what does his stat line have to be for him to maintain or increase his value at where it is now in year one with a new quarterback in an offense that had a lot of question marks around it last season. So, and that's getting an all-star running back back. So there's a lot of, a lot of ambiguity surrounding his situation. And with that much uncertainty, you can plug up. If you can get a Konami quarterback to, to plug your QB two hole in, in Superflex and win now, plus get two young hyper-efficient tight ends with plenty of targets to come their way this season in a two tight end, two point per tight end premium. I I'm taking, taking that side of the deal. No question about it. So the, the buzzards can eat it. (laughs) Simple as that. Yeah. So I, you know, I, we can all, you know, disagree on values and, you know, trade calculators are what they are. Nothing's really perfect, but I just think it's an interesting conversation um, because I think if there was an exception to that rule and I get it, you know, I understand the logic that comes with that statement, but if there was a position that you wouldn't want to wait too long, I mean, or if you have a chance to fill it, it's quarterback in a super flex or it's tight end in a two tight end league or a two points per tight end league, especially if you don't have them. And especially if you're a win now team like me in that league. So it's calculated risk, but hey, man, that's why we're, you know, it's fantasy. It's it's also fantasy football. So I was kind of opposed to the notion, oh, you shouldn't trade in June, you know, like, come on, like, what, what are we here to talk about? We're here to talk about dynasty trades. We're here to talk to people about how to optimize their rosters. So what are we doing? We're just not going to make any content in June and July. It's like, we're just going to wait to make these trades because, oh, technically you can't fill a lineup. So I don't know. I, I, and, and we very cordial back and forth between this individual. So I, I, I think it's fine. You know, it's no, no ill will in any which way, but I was, I just thought that that was, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse in a way here, but um, we, we are making, thoughts. we are making a weekly segment out of, out of you seeking validation from the chat for your, for your <laughs> dynasty trades. So maybe we'll, yeah. uh, Maybe we'll yeah. just make it a segment where where you vent to, to us and the, the chat to to talk yeah. about your dynasty decisions. But let's talk about some dynasty decisions that that other other people are going to be having to make. So we're going to bring back a segment called situational awareness. We broke down the the situation of some some ambiguous players going into 2023 for running backs, and this week we're going to talk about receivers. So Joel, starting with Jerry Judy, let's break down the situation and where they find themselves at for 2023 and whether you're buying or selling their current dynasty value. I'm buying 
Jerry Judy. Uh, he um, gets the best quarterback of his career. Actually, already has gotten the best quarterback in his career. If you look at the quarterbacks in Denver in the past two years. Um, and, Uh-oh. Did we lose uh, Joel? Nope. On there the team. Goes. And then last year, he got an upgrade. Am I back? Okay. You're back. You're back. The the quarterbacks that okay the quarterbacks that Judy had before last season when he got a, a significant upgrade in Russell Wilson were uh, Drew Locke etc. Right, and then he finally got Russell Wilson who had a yeah. decline. Oh. Am I there? Sorry. You're back. No, you're good. You're back. No, you're, you're Wilson okay. had a down year, right? And then Judy yeah. still had still had his best season in fantasy. Uh, wide receiver 18 in points per game last season, 13.6 points per game, right? And if Russell Wilson improves at all, Judy's probably the number one option in that receiver room. So I'm uh, I'm buying Judy. Yeah, I I um I think Judy's a little weird. Like he's wide receiver 25 on keep trade cut. And you think, okay, that seems about right. Um, last season, he finished as the wide receiver 22 and the wide receiver 19 of fantasy. And now, now you cut out Seth. I killed your mic. Cause I was tired of Jerry Judy positivity circling around am i back now yeah you're good okay it's one of those shows people like my dogs might start barking next so we'll be on the lookout for that so what you wish for (laughs) see i was talking to joel about my mic before so i just did that um thing i was talking about but um so i was saying i was i'm actually a little bit surprised that the dynasty community community like keep trade cut isn't a little higher on Judy. And I honestly think the reason is Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson had just that bad of a year last year. Um, I mean, he was 26 in true passer rating, 27 in QBR, number 35 amongst quarterbacks and catch catchable pass rate. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's no bueno. Um, the year before, uh, Wilson was number seven in true passer rating, number 12 in QBR, number 18 in catchable passer pass rate. And the result was a typical, you know, Russell Wilson year. It was like he was QB 13 in fantasy points per game. And some people even thought that was a down year. So if you're investing in this Denver offense, you're hoping that Sean Payton can resurrect Russell Wilson. Or, you know, and just how much was Nathaniel Hackett to blame for the Russell Wilson debacle, right? So normally I'm out on a player like Judy, but this is an interesting wide receiver room. And while I agree with Joel, I think this is typically an area where I would look to buy Judy. I think I'm more interested in Sutton and Marvin Mims. And I know I'm changing the conversation a little bit, but like if we compare Judy to Sutton, like Judy was number 32 in targets. His ADOT was number 40 in the NFL. Uh, Number 12 in deep targets, number 25 in unrealized air yards number 88 in route win rate for Jerry Judy. Now we compare Sutton, who's three years older, number 27 in targets. So he actually got more targets than Judy. Uh, ADOT, number 22, better than Judy. Deep targets, about the same. They were 11th and 12th in the league. Uh, 
Uh, yards after catch was an area. I mean, Sutton's not really getting many yards after the catch. But unrealized, unrealized air yards, number 17 ahead of Judy. And then route win rate, number 23 in the NFL. So I don't think that Sutton deserves to be 32 spots below Jerry Judy. And Sutton's probably the guy I'm, I'm looking to target in, in, in what's an interesting wide receiver room. But I'm also interested in Mims. I'm actually interested in all three because I think you're buying low on all three of them. But what say you, Matt Babbage? Yeah, I, I think you you highlighted an interesting point that not only was Sutton drawing more targets, but he was the better receiver of the two. Judy obviously plays a much different game. He's playing more. Uh, he's playing in more fantasy friendly positions. He's he's getting the. Cortland Sutton was was a prairie yards king. You know, he had high air yards. Not not a good. Not a good, you know, target quality rating downfield, but Judy was putting up yak and the, you make good points. My, my argument against Jerry Judy is that we're just assuming so much. So, you know, you hear a lot of probabilies and maybes when you hear when you, and you know, and, and it must happen, you know, with Jerry Judy. And so we're, we're assuming that the Broncos offense improves. We're assuming that his role will stay the same or increase under Peyton. We're assuming Marvin Marvin Mims, who plays at a more similar style to Judy than he does Sutton, won't eat into some of Judy's touches. We're assuming that Judy, Judy won't be dealt midseason, and we are assuming that if he is dealt, it's to a equal or better situation. So there is a ton of uncertainty surrounding Judy, and the one thing that we're pretty sure of is that he's big play reliant and he's not that good of a receiver. He's shown it to us since he's been in the league, right? If he's not catching the deep balls down the field or if he's not breaking out the the 35, 40-yard run after the catch where he breaks free for a touchdown, he's not scoring points because he's not that effective of a receiver. And so I am more, more gravitating. I'm gravitating more towards Sutton somewhat because I don't really, I don't really believe necessarily in Sutton either, but – at least like Seth, like you mentioned, it's 32 spots below his ADP. And when we look at the tiers that Jerry Judy is in, so we have DJ Moore, we're taking DJ Moore. Brandon Ayuk, we're taking Ayuk. Quentin Johnston, that's a, funny enough, a player we'll we'll talk about here in a minute. But Jahan Dotson, uh, I'm taking Dotson personally. He showed more in his rookie season. And, you know, we have the sophomore surge still and, and Judy's been around for multiple seasons and still hasn't quite given any definitive proof that he can do this. And then we have Traylon Burks below him to round out tier nine. And I think when you look at the players that are similarly valued to Judy, you're, you're looking at almost all the other options saying that these pay, these players have similar ranges of outcomes and are in better long term career arcs. Yeah, I think the when you're listing those names, I think when you hit the J- Jahan Dots and Traylon Burks, that's I when it gets really close. That's what that's what, about where he belongs, in my opinion. I think it's it's strange. But I, I I I honestly can't. I'm I'm surprised he's not higher, just based on his stats. But I think, like I said, I think the reason for that's Russell Wilson. There's some Russell Wilson skepticism out there. Uh, for sure. And if you think that Russell Wilson can bounce back, like I think I do, then I almost need to be taking shots, you know, in my dynasty leagues on, on Judy and definitely Sutton and Mims, especially where Mims was going in rookie drafts. So 
I, I, I agree. I agree with your general sentiment, though. Like, I'm not the biggest Jerry Judy fan in the world, but just value wise, that's where I'm at. Yeah. So, so speaking of Quentin Johnston, his name is next on the list. So, so Joel, start us off here. Where, what do we do with Quentin Johnston right now? Oh man, I can't believe, kind of can't believe he's in this range with these guys. I would take Burks and Judy before Johnston. I think it's just rookie fever, especially in dynasty. Um, everybody wants to be on the rookies early, which I understand, but you know, I mean, Ju- Judy, Burks, uh, Dotson obviously have proven it. Uh, Quentin Johnston's stepping in as number three in LA, right? Uh, I think, especially in Dynasty, we um, pretty much treat Keenan Allen players their age and with a little bit of injury history as total dust, like they don't even exist, right? But Quentin Johnson is going to be coming in as the clear number three in that passing offense. And so I would take all these guys around him before Johnson. I just like the players who have proven it. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. I think, you know, just kind of looking at some of these values on keep trade cut of where he's at, we kind of talked about his value. Um, he's right next to Jerry Judy, which is interesting. He's ranked one spot ahead of him. So if you made me choose between Jerry Judy and Quentin Johnston, I'd probably take Judy. I'd probably take Burks. I'd definitely take Pittman. I don't know why the Pittman, well, there's so much Pittman hate out there. Um, but just to speak to on Quentin Johnston, I mean, like you said, he's clearly the number three option. And he's likely, you know, I mean, he's in the offense we want him to be in. Um, ideally, he keeps receivers like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen fresh, probably most likely Mike Williams, because they both play outside. But I think the range of outcomes for Johnston is really wide. Um, and I definitely err on the side of sell, but it could come up to blow to blow up in our faces if Mike Williams isn't healthy and Johnston gets this unbelievable role, but it's just not there for him right now. I mean, he definitely could have spike weeks for sure, but still, like I said, I prefer Burks, even though Burks is in a worse situation because of the opportunity there, because, you know, outside of, you know, Chigakonkwo, you know, Westbrook Aquina, Kyle Phillips, you know, these are the receivers in Tennessee right now. And Johnston being drafted at wide receiver 22 on keep trade cut is very high. And at that price, I'd be willing to bet that he doesn't return the value. Like his value never gets higher than that. I'd be willing to take that bet and, uh, and trade him away, which I have done in a few of my leagues. So Matt, what do you think? Yeah, this just doesn't really make much sense now, does it? We Seth and I talked about a phenomena, uh, you know, a few weeks ago where, you know, if Brees Hall was drafted in the first round, we had a thought experiment. Where would he have gone if he would have had Gibbs or or Bijan Robinson draft capital? His his yeah. ADP would have been through the roof. And this is what's happening with Quentin Johnston. If he were drafted in the middle of the second round to the Chargers the same landing spot in a, you know, a round later, this is a completely different conversation we're having about the value of Quentin Johnston and his ADP. So this is just another instance of being too invested in draft capital and the, the glitz and the glam and the idea of being tied to Herbert long-term with two aging receivers on the roster. Sure. But he still faces significant target competition in the near term. 
and will likely face newer and better competition as Williams and Allen are phased out. He already doesn't have a rock solid profile and he very sneakily is entering one of the most consolidated target shares in the entire NFL where between, cause I, I, I thought about this when you said he's the number three target. Is he the number three target? Cause there's a guy named Austin Eckler oh, coming yeah. out of the backfield average seven yeah. and a half targets last season. So he enters yeah. an offense that had a target share of 60% between three players. So how much opportunity without an injury to Mike Williams or Keenan Allen or anybody who gets targets in this offense, how much room is there? I hate too many mouths to feed, but the, the law of conservation of targets is a very real thing. And if you don't believe me, just ask Matt Kelly. That's a real yeah. thing. And if all those targets are conserved, where is the room for Quentin Johnston? And how is he going to live up to his year one dynasty value? He simply cannot. Yeah, and I think Jared Dean makes a good point here. I think Josh Palmer is gonna gonna have a role. I mean, he's got experience in the offense. I mean, he's the very spitting image of an average receiver, but he's got familiar familiarity with Herbert. He's got experience in the offense. And I think if if there's some actionable advice that I would give for me not being in on Quentin Johnston, it's if you're a win now team. I, I'm I'm going and getting Keenan Allen because barring an injury, like you said, I just think Keenan the years there. I know he's 31 years old, but that's a shot that I'd be worth taking. Uh, you know, in a win now team is that because I think Keenan Allen could have a really big year in an offense that was number two in the NFL in pass attempts. I mean, Herbert with that, you know, the the rib issue, still threw the ball 699 times. So it's definitely an offense you want some exposure to, but at the same time is you got to be smart with who you choose. And Quentin Johnston, uh, this being valued this high above some other players is very worrisome. Yeah, you could go get uh, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams super cheap, right? I mean, their values are yep. both really depressed by injury history, just even in the last season. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they both outperformed Quentin Johnston this coming season. That's easy, right? I mean – and you can just get him so cheap and get some win now production right away. Yeah. Allen yeah, and Williams are, are wide receiver 42 and 43. I was just about to say that. Yeah. I was just looking that up at the same time. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that's crazy. I, anyway, so next on the list is a guy named Traylon Burks, which we've talked about already. So Matt, what, talk to us about Traylon Burks. Yeah, so first, you know, there's a, all these players are always, you know, around the same ADP. So naturally, we've already had some of these people in the conversation. But these are the decisions that you need to be, you know, thinking about on of these similar like tiered players. That's why like the tier conversation is becoming, you know, more and more popular in fantasy football. But a guy who's at the bottom of this tier currently that needs to be much, much higher up on it is Traylon Burks. He couldn't have had he had a lot of he had a lot of obstacles in his rookie season. From Tannehill getting hurt and you know the the no target companions. We're gonna call them target not comp not competition. <laughs> target yeah. companions. These are just usable bodies that are capable of playing football to a degree where some of the defensive attention can be drawn away from a particular player. He didn't have many of those in Tennessee, and his rookie camp went off to you know a poor start with him being you know out of shape or or whatever it was. 
and maybe had long COVID and, you know, who knows, but something wasn't right with Traylon Burks to start the season. And he started off slow. He got hurt. Uh, what did he, what happened to him? He had a turf toe that put him out for a while. And, and that's not a fun injury to play with. I know it sounds, sounds like a comical way to get hurt, but he didn't really start seeing significant snaps until week 12 where he, he sustained another injury in week 13 and then kind of went back to being a, a 75% snap share player. And, and in those games, he was 18 fantasy points, 17, 9.5, 12.6. So we started seeing those flashes towards the end of the season. He was efficient on small sample, nearly two yards per route run. He, he had a fairly solid route win rate of 42 and a half percent. So he was top 35 in the league there. So he had a, a solid start and he can only build on top of that. And I think we're getting, we're getting a huge discount based off of the uncertainty of the, the, the Titans passing offense. And there's still no significant target competition. We're looking at a 25% target share for, for Traylon Burks, the way things stand and getting that type of volume in any offense is extremely fantasy friendly. And so we're looking at a receiver with, you know, historic college profile at age 23 going into his sophomore season. This is, this is a huge discount on a superstar asset. What do you think, Joel? I'm selling trail on Burks. I, uh, (laughs) I, uh, I, he's like, uh, in that top five of like assets in dynasty that people want. Right. And I think his, uh, ceiling, um, like top, like top five in receivers, young receivers that people want, right? So you can easily sell him. Uh, I think his ceiling is A.J. Brown in the same offense, right? A.J. Brown's, uh, you know, was his last um, season in, in Tennessee was uh, wide receiver 24, okay? Um, so if that's, you know, in Burks, you could argue that He's not going to reach the ceiling of AJ Brown. Tennessee was bottom quarter in pace of play in the last two seasons, number 29 in 2022 and uh, number 26 in the league in 2021. So they play slow. Uh, the quarterback situation is kind of a mess. Um, they've uh, drafted two quarterbacks to replace Tannehill now. Tannehill's in the last uh year of his contract so you know and he can't be happy that they're drafting quarterbacks to replace him right uh so that the situation kind of seems like a mess um yeah no no target no great target competition but um i would kind of mute his production in this next season even if he's the wide receiver one in tennessee yeah i i thought i would be in on Traylon burks until i saw where he was being valued on keep trade cut and i think i'm i'm lean more to joel's side even though i do like the player um and we do have to make some bets on some of these sophomore wide receivers because historically these sophomore wide receivers have broken out or you know they they're the biggest jumps in value uh that we've seen um but according to keep trade cut he's wide receiver 25 and there's uh, there's some there's some players like Michael Pittman. I I still I I know I keep bringing up Michael Pittman, but um, anyway, 
you know, I might prefer it's hard to say like Deontay Johnson's way down there, Rashad Bateman's way down there. And those are receivers that I think should at least be in the same conversation, especially Rashad Bateman. And I it's just it's it's odd to me because I I thought I would be in. I really did. I really did think I would be in because I like this player. I just don't like him this much. And I think there's a there's a chance that he breaks out this year. There is because of the volume that Matt spoke of. But this Tennessee offense is weird. I don't know. They should go with Ryan Tannehill because he's clearly their best option. But I don't know. You know, we were talking about him being a cut candidate. That didn't happen. But I don't know. I honestly don't know what the plan is in Tennessee because they're kind of an in-between land, and that's the worst place to be in the NFL. So I don't know what they're thinking. And I don't know if any of it's good for Traylon Burks. If Ryan Tannehill starts, I'm a little bit more interested, but I don't know. I don't know if he's going to. I, I think he should, but I don't know. So I, yeah, I agree. I, I'm Deontay Johnson's way down there. FF Mad Scientist. I think. Speaking of receivers, who aren't good. That kind of proven production, Matt, is kind of what we're looking for in fantasy football, though. Uh, even though he does tend to drop the ball on occasion, but that's uh, that's neither here nor there. So, um, let us know what you think of those three: Traylon Burks, Quentin Johnston, and Jerry Judy in the chat. Uh, are you buying or selling? But now it's time to fish or cut bait, which this feels like a new game. Is this a new game, Matt? That new game. In here? New, new game. game. Fish, fish or cut bait. So we create emotional ties to players on our Dynasty ros- roster. So we all know of the Podfather's love of Ashton Doolin, right? Our Dynasty truthers. So these are some Dynasty truthers that people may have on their rosters right now. Is it time to cut them or is it time to hold on? Matt, or uh, I'll start with Joel. Joel, what do you, what do we think? Is Khalil Shakir somebody we should keep on our rosters, or is it time to move on? Yeah, let's hold. How how big are our rosters, by the way? Because <laughs> uh, we're assuming some fairly big rosters. I would I'd say that nowadays the standard dynasty league is holding rosters to where you're you're rostering people in this range. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I think Shakir even on a twenty eight man roster is a is a hold. I think. You know, I think the Bills are still looking for a number two, right? So if he's he could be number two in this in this offense uh, to Diggs. Uh, unfortunately, he only earned twenty targets last season in fourteen games, but only had a twenty eight percent snap share. Right? He'll be playing in the slot. They let go of Isaiah McKenzie, and so he's who they're depending on in the slot. And uh, I could see him being earning. Uh, second most targets, third most targets on the team um, going forward, which is what we're looking for, especially in an explosive offense. Uh, we're looking for uh, two receivers to actually be productive, right? It's going to be Diggs, and then uh, wouldn't be surprised with uh, Shakir and his athleticism uh, for four speed that he is earning quite a bit of targets. That's proven, proven to be a pretty valuable uh, position to be playing the Bill slot receiver. Yeah, he caught a deep ball last year, and everyone that was everyone's uh oh moment. Where if he if he starts doing that a lot more often in this offense, then look out. But yeah, Joel, you said it. I mean, they are looking for a number two. They didn't add any significant target competition besides Dalton Kincaid over in the offseason, which means there's still plenty of wide receiver snaps, particularly slot snaps, 
available to be earned here in the Bills offense. And and Trent Sherfield is currently the only player listed above Khalil Shakir. And I think with the flashes that that Shakir showed in those in a couple of games last season, I know it's an incredibly small sample size, but Trent Sherfield hasn't really shown much of much of anything in across his career. The Bills invested, you know, draft capital in Shakir. They know he's a younger guy. They spent money on Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder before drafting him. So there was some investment there already. And, and you know, maybe the Bills weren't even expecting Shakir to have to, to, to pick up the playbook in year one. But when you look at where he's at, there's not a lot of players that have a realistic path to, to starting snaps like like Khalil Shakir does. And he can do it as soon as week one of the NFL season. So when you when you think about that way, like he's got to be a hold at his current price. Yeah, when I think of dynasty stashes, I think of players like Khalil Shakir. I think he's the perfect dynasty stash. I really do. This is a player that throughout the process I was really high on, like when I was evaluating some of these rookies. And to make it a bear show, here we go, minute 37 of the show, we're making it a bear show. They The Bills traded up with the Bears to go get this guy in the fifth round. So I know it's a day three trade up which you know we can poo poo or scoff at but still it tells me you know they 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 traded up to go get this guy and they gave up some draft capital thinking that he could be you know he could help them you know this is a team with super bowl aspirations and that needs a wide receiver three so maybe he could fill that role and like uh, joel said they didn't resign isaiah mckenzie and you look at their roster trent sherfield justin shorter deontay hardy isaiah coulter I know they still have Gabe Davis, obviously Stefan Diggs, and they drafted Dalton Kincaid, but there's no reason why, you know, Shakir can't win the wide receiver three job, potentially the wide receiver two job. Sorry, Ed DeLauder, earmuffs. Like we, we you know, we Ed DeLauder loves Gabe Davis, but I don't know. I just I don't know if Gabe Davis he's probably gonna be the wide receiver too, but there's a world where Shakir beats him out and is is the third option in that passing attack. So I think he's the very definition of a dynasty wide receiver handcuff dynasty stash. Uh, let's go, let's throw it right, right back around the round table. What about you, Matt Babich? Where are you, where are you sitting on Kenneth Gainwell? Let me answer that question with another question that I'll leave open mm-hmm. to, to either or both of you. What is right. the most valuable thing to an NFL team in terms of economic, in terms of economic value, getting getting more out of what you're paying for it's a rookie contract rookie right? contract exactly rookie yeah contract. exactly yep. it's a rookie contract so kenneth gainwell is on a dwindling rookie contract miles sanders leaves in free agency philadelphia said yeah let's just go get the guy who's kenny gainwell but a more complete back and deandre swift mm. so they have a dwindling rookie contract and instead of using this guy and getting the most out of this contract that they possibly can they traded away draft capital to go get a more complete back in deandre swift who is a a proven i don't care what you think with jamal williams and what happened last year he's a proven commodity as a pass catcher and as a red zone threat those are he literally they literally got a kenny gainwell who is a more complete and well-rounded running back and that is just the ultimate downfall for Kenny Gainwell's value. And I am, I'm cutting bait. If, if he can't make it to his second contract, he's not a second contract running back. He, he is yet to break the mold. 
He's been efficient on a small sample and, and he looked good as a pass catcher, but this was the ultimate signal of, of distrust from the Philadelphia Eagles. What are your thoughts, Joel? Hey, Guinea, Kenny Gainwell evaded 17 tackles last season on 53 carries. Only a 26.4% snap share. That's quite a few evaded tackles, actually. But when are you ever going to plug him into your lineup, right? They signed uh, not only Swift, but Rashad Penny. Uh, Forgot about that. Trey Sermon. Uh, oh, Trey they, Sermon's they, still around? Oh, my <laughs> God. They signed Boston Scott <laughs> to another one-year contract. Oh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if all of those guys played ahead of Gainwell. He's a he's a third down pass catching back. I just wouldn't ever know when to start him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm right there with you. I think DeAndre. I think Matt. You basically took all of my thunder because I was gonna say like I think DeAndre Swift could win some people some leagues this year. Like I'm not even exaggerating about that because. DeAndre Swift, you, just look at the numbers. I know he's I know it's he's DeAndre Swift and there's some questions about his uh like his love for the game or whatever, but um Swift was the RB15 in fantasy points per game while playing 41.8% of the snaps in Detroit. Uh on in an offense that where Jamal Williams just went bananas and took all the touchdowns from him. So if he even gets like 45%, 50% of the touches in a Philadelphia offense where they have every incentive to limit, they should. I know Jalen Hurts is going to run, but God, some of the things Buffalo does with Josh Allen just make me cringe. Those quarterback sweeps where he gets destroyed and they gain three yards. It's like, why are we doing this to your franchise quarterback? So it would be, you know, in the, in the, goal line or the red area why not give the ball to deandre swift a guy who profiles as a three down three down back instead of putting your quarterback in harm's way i mean i remember patrick mahomes got his knee dislocated on one of those quarterback sneaks so anyway deandre swift's upside is unbelievable he was number eight in true yards per carry last year number two in yards per touch number five in breakaway run rate so, yeah, I, I don't know quite with all those running backs where Kenny Gainwell slots in, and I don't know if a DeAndre Swift injury is enough to propel him into the RB1 or, the you know, the Philadelphia RB1 category because of Penny. You know, Penny's sitting right there too. So, yeah, I think it's time to see what you can get for him. I don't know if it's going to be much, but it's, you know, I had high hopes for Kenny Gainwell, but not so much anymore really. I think it's just too crowded. The Eagles are price shopping for running backs, man. None yeah. of these guys are making like more than $2 million a year. <laughs> yeah, smart, smart. It's almost like they're a really good organization or something, like getting to the Super Bowl. So Get on get on Trey Sermon, you know? Yeah, why not? What, what if, what if uh, Penny and Swift go down like they usually do? Yeah, yeah. No, no, i sorry, can't do it. Well, can't. He's free. I've made. Free. I've made. I know he's free. I've just Waiver. made too many jokes. Drop Gainwell for for him. Uh, that'd be oh, that'd Lord. be a power move. That'd be a power <laughs> move for sure. All right, yeah, I'll uh, kick it. To, I'll kick it to you now, Seth. What do we think about Wandale Robinson? 
Wandale Robinson. Uh, I think the answer has to be yes. I mean, he was, I mean, he's a first round pick. He's having some games. I mean, in this, this regime, this very regime that is currently employed by the New York Giants used the second round pick on him. So they are invested in him. I mean, he's coming off of a ACL tear. So that's going to be important to monitor, but it seemed like he was getting his legs underneath of him, right? And then, like, he was doing some good things. I know we all thought here that they overdrafted him, and they did. But, I mean, in week 11, he finishes the wide receiver nine overall. Um, so I think I'm in on Wandell if you have him. I think you just got to hold him. But then I keep going to keep trade cut. I keep wanting to be in on these players, and then all, and then I see where they're ranked. And he's ranked ahead of like Darnell Mooney and Jacoby Myers. I'm like, I want to be, I want to be in on some of these guys, but I'm I, at the value. It's like, oh. anyway, I know, I know the upside's a lot greater than perhaps a Mooney or Jacoby Myers, but the, he's he got to hold him, I think, because he could be something. I think he was proven that he could be something. So he's a lottery ticket worth hanging on to, but. I like Mooney. I, I I think he's a little bit overvalued on keep trade cut. What do you think, Joel? Uh, I think I think he's a hold again. I think um, I mean if this uh, offense really gets cooking, which you know that's a little iffy with Daniel Jones, right? Um, uh, to say that he's going to throw thirty five touchdowns or whatever in a season is a is a little iffy. You know that that would be ideal though and in in those types of um really powerful offenses we want to have the one number one or number two receiver pretty easy to see wandale fitting in to that role the number two on this team right like we said um there's not a lot of competition as far as receivers they brought in darren waller uh he's 30 plus you know so we don't know how long that's gonna last the next best option is probably Isaiah Hodgins, who, you know, I have a lot of love for. But oh, yeah. uh, me Wand- too, man. Love Wand- Isaiah Hodgins. Wandale could be the number one or number two in this offense, right? I just think he's a little ways away. They signed Paris Campbell to a $1.5 million contract. And so I think that's a stopgap while they get Wandale healthy. He was injured in week 11 last season, but they've got a top top 50 pick invested in Wandale. So, you know, and he did come in and produce in year one. And so, you know, we like that continuity, the investment made by the team and then him flashing at least a little bit. And this, this offense has just hit its baseline last season. It's going to go nowhere but up the next season. Yeah. I was surprised Seth to, to hear you say that Wandale was above Darnell Mooney and and Jacoby Myers and and keep trade cut. I when I was when I wrote this up, I actually was I was looking at FFPC ADP because I figured that would be more of a realistic of who the sharps are are letting go of. So that's mm-hmm. the one I kind of I drifted towards for that. And he is below Mooney and and Jacoby Myers. They all are really close, which I think is fair. But I, I think we've stumbled on something. If you FFPC sharp, keep trade cut, maybe not so much. So maybe compare those two rankings and then where you find that, or you could use our rankings, player profiler rankings, player profiler dynasty rankings as well. Yeah. You could use that 
as well and compare the two and then there's you know the differences the biggest differences are where likely the value is going to be so actionable advice here on the round table in june of all times in june how yeah. could how is this possible just I don't make any trades based on that. <laughs> no trades allowed, please. Don't be filling your roster spots. <laughs> a couple, a couple months to have to sell lineup. So don't be doing that. Be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't no think fun I can... allowed. No fun allowed in fantasy football. You can't. Don't be making those trades, ladies and gentlemen. It's not. It's not smart. You're. You're just a big dummy like me. No. If you make dynasty trades in June. Okay. Don't do it. Don't Can I talk about Wandell Robinson, please? Don't do it. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> we're we're approaching our minute fifty, and we have not run the informative segment. So let me talk oh. about Wandell Robinson. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> he. This is a rookie season that we don't typically see from receivers, especially with his build. So I I, I don't know the list of receivers who who hit a twenty percent target share in their rookie season, but I can I can bet it's it's not that long, and it's filled with a lot of good names. So don't quote me. Please don't refute that with any actual statistics. Just let me go off of my gut feel. But he was he was an elite route winner, and there's still not a lot of significant target competition in this offense, and, and he was garnering a lot of it when he was healthy. Missed me with any Paris Campbell hype. The only difference between Paris Campbell and Kadarius Tony is that Kadarius Tony fired his rookie season. Paris Campbell did not, and so he's just been kind of floating around. There's no difference. They're both gimmicks. Wandale Robinson is a true receiver. So give me the receiver, the receiver option and not the decoy. Hey, Braddish, do you know who uh, you mentioned a a route winner? Do you know who was number one in route win rate last season? Uh, I believe he's on the New York Giants. Is he not? Yes. I believe his name is Isaiah Hodgins. Number one. Uh, Number one. Two only two hundred nineteen routes, but uh, apparently he won most of them. There's a lot of reasons to be in on Isaiah Hodgins, and a lot of them are very similar to Wandale Robinson. You know, a, a, you know, good route runner has has a lot of availability for targets in the in the upcoming season, and basically free in in every draft you're in. All right, so this is a dynasty sh- show, so let's have an informative segment about dynasty. Makes sense, right? Go get the dynasty dominator. Listen to the Podfather. Now, I know many of you are looking for a secret weapon for your Dynasty League, and I have it. It's called the Dynasty Dominator app. You go to the App Store, go to Google Play. It's right there. It's $5 to download, and then every year it's $5 to load the next incoming class of rookies. You can add Superflex, add tight end premium. It's incredible because it allows you to look up players. It allows you to vote on whether a player is a buy, hold, or sell, and then see the market sentiment on that player. And you can compare their lifetime value rating from Player Profiler to their Dynasty ADP at the FFPC, all in the price lookup tool. And beyond that, we have a trade analyzer, so you'll never lose another Dynasty trade again. And in our settings, you can set, this is a win-now team, this is a rebuilding team, and then we let you compare players. Look at their metrics side-by-side. Prospect metrics, NFL metrics. It's all there. It's five bucks in the app store. There's some add-ons for super flex and to buy the upcoming rookie class. Every year you're gonna spend five dollars on this thing. And it's gonna be well worth it. All right, we're gonna have to hustle 
because uh, we have still have a couple questions. But the the next question on the show sheet, I'll kick it to you, Joel. Is when you're in the productive struggle phase, how do you know when you're at your window? How do you approach flipping the switch to win now in a productive struggle? It's kind of a loaded question in a way. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a tough one, but basically when your hopes and dreams for your players become actual production right so this is a i don't know if it's a i guess it's a productive struggle but last uh season i drafted a a dynasty startup uh player profiler patreon um patron league uh the dynasty chaos leagues it's 16 teamers double tight end super flex tight end premium uh, and so here's some, some of the players that I drafted, uh, Fields and Hertz in the, at the one, two turn Dotson, Tony picked up Hodgins on the waiver wire during the season. Right. And last season, you know, uh, it was, it was kind of a question mark, even Fields and Hertz were question marks when this startup took place. Right. But, um, this season, uh, you know, both Hertz and Fields, turned in you know they're both top six quarterbacks i think points per game last season right so actually flipped hurts uh traded hurts for value um but kept fields and uh i think i'm you know i made the playoffs last season but uh this season i'm i'm win now i'll let you do you want to know who i traded hurts for uh, yeah, more than anything. You got to join. You got to join the <laughs> sharing your trades live crowd. I love I love this so high on these dudes that are just pristine value. So I got Derek Carr, a, okay. a first next year, right? And uh, Jamar Chase. Oh, what, what are your thoughts on that, man? I don't. I don't hate it. I think it's all right. In Jamar Chase there. I don't either. It all depends on, you know, we talked about dynasty cornerstones and how, and how Jalen hurts can be one of those guys, but very contrastly or very similarly, I guess Jamar chase can also be one of those dynasty cornerstones. So if you're, when you kind of look at it like that, where you're getting, you know, your bona fide stud receiver in exchange for a bona fide stud quarterback, when you can kind of justify the positional downgrade from, from quarterback and, you know, as much as as much as quarterback is valuable, sometimes we can get lost in the shuffle of of positional advantage. So if it makes sense for your team with the roster construction and with the scoring settings, you you know it's something you always have to consider is flipping those guys at value. Yeah, and he's got a he's got a quarterback on his team that could be the quarterback one this year in Justin Fields. So anyway, he's he's got a he's got an elite quarterback on his roster. So Matt, what what about you like? How do you know when it's time to flip that switch to win now if you're a productive struggle? So I think I'm in this situation right now, and that's kind of what brought up the question was I, I've been playing with this team as a tanking team trying to collect picks and and get some of these assets. I haven't been able to finish as close to the bottom of the league as I would want to, so I haven't been able to get the 102, 101 you know, year over year like I've been wanting to. And when I go over some of these players, you'll understand why I have like the core, but I've been struggling. And I kind of just took a look at this team recently and I was like, do I need to, do I need to just leverage my future? Right. Not like leverage all of my future. Cause that's not necessarily ever a great idea, but is now the time for me to say, you know, I actually do want to win this year. So it's a super flex league and I'm rocking 
Jalen Hurts and Kenny Pickett. So not the most appetizing QB two. So that's been a struggle for me. But at running back, so I'm I'm starting four right now with my flexes, and it's Najee, Etn, Dobbins, and Pacheco. And then DJ Moore, Pickens, Addison at receiver, and Kincaid at tight end. And then some names on the bench are Roshan, Antonio Gibson, Rondale Moore, Marvin Mims, Zay Flowers. So there's some youth at wide receiver, but but not a lot of ceiling at wide receiver. And so I'm also lacking at QB2. So I'm standing here saying I got a surplus of running backs, and I got some future capital to leverage. Like, is it time for me to flip this switch and go to win now? And, and, and correct me if, if I'm not viewing this right, but I think it is. Because like Joel said, you have some of those dreams like Dobbins, like he is healthy now and he has, you know, that stretch of production right now. Um, Pacheco managed to go the whole season and the off season while being the starting running back in this offense. Najee has a lot of steam going into this season. ETN's got a lot of steam. You know, now's the time to to flip one of those guys, maybe with the one with the most uncertainty and, and a future pick to get some, you know, consistency at receiver or like you did Seth and say, you know what, let me, let me do what I need to do to go get a Daniel Jones and lock down that quarterback two position. So I think once you realize you have a core and you, you have the framework to where you can fill your holes without leveraging all of your future away on it, then, then that's your time. Like that's when you know that you're in the struggle, but you have the setup to, to start flipping some of these things and turning them into, into dynasty championships. That's very well said. That's very well said, and um, I agree with with a lot of it because we're in we're in this dynasty fantasy football game to win. Ultimately, the the goal end goal of a productive struggle is to win to create a super team, and so hopefully in a productive struggle, you've hit on your picks. Obviously, there here's Seth giving you some great advice. Hit on your picks, and you'll be good. There you go. Um, mic drop. So. I would agree with most of what you said, Matt. I mean, the key is getting some of your young pillars early in the draft. Um, you know, the, to answer the question, if you if you look at your roster and go, oh, look at that, Drake London. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I, I drafted Bijan at the 101. I, I drafted Daniel Jones last year. So if you have some of those players, um, like one of my teams, for instance, I, I will just go through our teams. Like this is kind of what I did. So at quarterback, I have Lamar and Mac Jones and Desmond Ritter and Tannehill. So hopefully a QB two emerges out of that, those that group. I think it's probably going to be Mac Jones. At running back, Cam Akers, Dobbins, McKinnon, Elijah Mitchell, Damian Pierce, Swift, wide receiver Burks, Dotson, Lazard, Drake London, Jacoby Myers, and Calvin Ridley. And then I need a tight end. But, oh, by the way, I have three first, future first-rounders that I could use to go get a tight end, not a, obviously to spend all those future. Cut out. No, you're not back. Technical difficulties. We're going we're gonna to vamp until, until Seth comes back. He is not. He is not back. So Seth has has his opinions. He has his team. I'm debating whether or not we move on to the Hello. segment. Oh, no, he's back. Uh, there you go. I'm going to have to work on this mic connection. I don't know what's going on. But uh, so, yeah, like I think we probably move on to the final segment. But to just put a bow on that, I don't know where I cut out. But um, you kind of just build up assets until it's time to go get what you need. And I'm always in favor, like context matters in these trades. If you, I, you really need a tight end, 
go get a tight end, even if you have to overpay. If that's what's going to make your team, in your opinion, a win-now team, or it's going to put you over the top to win a championship, that's ultimately what we're here for. And so I am in favor of doing that, even if you have to suffer some grief on amongst your buddies or Twitter or whatever. I mean, you know, you'll be winning and they'll be like wondering, like, what, what, why didn't I do that? So anyway, uh, I think we go rapid fire with this next segment. What do you think? Yeah, we'll, um, we'll fire it around the horn and we'll just do a real quick rapid fire. These players are going right next to each other in Dynasty ADP. So which one are you taking? J.K. Dobbins or Javante Williams? We'll start with Joel. Dobbins. <laughs> I, uh, Dobbins. Yeah, you know, for me too. Dobbins. Javante Williams. Give me the one who will catch passes and is still a backfield leader in his offense. Bryce Young or Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson. Uh, Deshaun Watson. It's an agreement. Deshaun Watson. All right. Finally, Devonta Smith or Drake London? Give me Devonta, the more powerful offense. Devonta Smith. Give me Drake London. <laughs> give me, give me the 25% target share for, I, for the I next love, eight years. I love both those players, so... Um, at value, maybe Drake London, because Drake London's being drafted a little bit later. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. Joel, give us your give us your plugs. What do you got going on lately that you want the good people to know about? Where can they find you as well? All my written content is on playerprofiler.com. The Ascending Offenses series is coming, and the Detroit Lions article is out today. Uh, there's we'll have an article about the Jets coming out later next week, but uh, the Jets is probably a fade for me. All right, uh, you can find talented people like Joel on uh, the player profiler, like you mentioned, under the news and article section. You can follow me on Twitter at Seth underscore Dwall to see my ridiculous dynasty trades and ridicule me there. Uh, you can follow me on YouTube. Actually, we're having a little dynasty. Uh, draft determination party at 8:30. So here in 30 minutes, go go over to my channel, Seth Dewald, on Twitter or on uh, YouTube. That's where we'll be. Um, that's really all I got. What about you, Mr. Babich? The Roho Underworld Draft Kit, the world famous draft kit, has been released. It is live for the public. Over 300, well, exactly 300 player profilers with with a ton of video cam cameos from, from your favorite analysts across the fantasy football industry, you know, all of your favorite player profiler analysts together under, under one roof, under one draft kit, it's got team inside signature trends. This is the most information that's ever been condensed into a single draft kit. And that is a fact that is reviewed by me. You can trust it. You can find my personal work. Uh, I have blurbs and video cameos for, Javante Williams and Mark Andrews. I have additional video cameos for Mike Evans and Dak Prescott. I have 19 additional player write-ups and then team previews and signature trends for Seattle and New England. So blessed to, to be able to, to contribute so much to this amazing you know, work of art that is the world-class draft kit. So go check that out. Go check out you know all, all the great work that was done by, by everybody that was a part of this process. And go give Theo, go give Theo Greminger a big thank you for, for all the work that he did and putting this all together you know, in the final hours. So uh, that's all I got. 
All right. Well, thanks, Joel, so much for, for coming on the show. Thank you to Senior Football uh, in the chat, Fantasy Football Ninja, who he's got a he's got he's he's got a YouTube channel, so we'll keep that streak going. Go follow him on uh, YouTube. Um, uh, we got Matt's dad in the chat. So thank you to all the to all these people in the chat uh, watching us carrying the show. We appreciate you guys. And until next time. Nobody cares about Aaron Rodgers. So we will see you later.